Well, thanks. Thank you for your kind welcome. Thank you, Pastor Jim, and how good to be here in Arise Church. So thank you, Pastors Alan and Jackie Kirchen, uh, for hosting the very first combined service for this year and very first time here. And how good to be in the atmosphere of faith and singing those great songs earlier. Uh, my musical knowledge increased uh, with this service tonight because Pastor Alan called on Friday and said, have we got anyone who can play the cahoon? And I'm trying to think, you know, I've heard of this. I think it's a musical instrument, the cahoon. And uh, anyhow, uh, in ensuing conversation, I found out it's this kind of drum thing, that you box that you sit on and you so percussion. Anyone who plays the drums can play the cahoon. So thank you to David Sampson from our church who came and played the, the cahoon and the tom-toms. And uh, I found out, because I'd sent a text spelling it C-A-H-O-O-N, didn't know how to spell it. I found out C-A-J-U-N, so that's how you spell Cahoon. I thought it was a pepper or a spice you put on meals. but <laughs> And uh, yeah, look, it's just, just great to gather together for, from across the churches. There's always such a special blessing upon these combined services. I love to come and gather with folk from across the churches and Psalm 133, where the brothers and sisters dwell in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. And we're being blessed already. How good is the work of Real and SRE in this local area? Uh, the sowing of the seed of God's word cannot but bear fruitfulness. And a lot of it goes under the radar. I, in fact, I believe a revival is brewing in our nation in these days through uh, the, the Word of God in, in uh, public schools and also the Christian schools. And there's a whole generation being raised up and the seed of God's Word is planted in their hearts and uh, we're going to see a wonderful move of God that will be refreshing for our nation in these days. Let's have a quick word of prayer as we just turn to the word. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd uh, plant the seed of your word in our hearts tonight and that you would change us in some way for eternity. And we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you we can unite in fellowship together. Uh, we thank you for the atmosphere of your Holy Spirit and we pray uh, blessing and fruitfulness uh, as a result of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 55, uh, just a few verses here, uh, picking it up at verse 8. And Isaiah is like a mini Bible. There's 66 chapters. And the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, just like the 39 books of the Old Testament, uh, they're, they're actually a message of judgment. But thankfully... The final 27 uh, chapters of Isaiah is the message of hope and the future and restoration and comfort. So Isaiah 55 comes from uh, the second part of the book of Isaiah. He was a great prophet. Uh, he was connected to the palace. He had magnificent literary skills and he prophesied during the reign of four kings uh, and for over 40 years. Isaiah was uh, phenomenally used of God. So picking it up here... Uh, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways 
higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And just some brilliant personification and imagery there and the prophet is using earthly imagery, the imagery of God's creation to convey heavenly truth, uh, spiritual inspiration. But I love how that starts. Uh, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth. This year I've been running on uh, the inspired thought that we can experience heavenly interventions, I believe, every day. That we can be touched by heaven that we can receive heavenly revelations, that we can communicate with heaven during our earthly journey of faith, that we can see the power of heaven manifest, that we can experience a taste of heavenly harmony in our earthly relationships, that we can see God step in from heaven above in the earthly perplexities that we face. Heavenly interventions. And here uh, we see that the prophet is addressing the power of God's word from heaven. It's like the rain, it's like the snow, and it produces the fruitfulness. And God has called us to fruitfulness. God wants you to be fruitful at every level of your life. God wants us, as the combined church of Lismore, to experience fruitfulness, I believe, like we've never known before. And I think something's brewing in the Spirit. I just sense a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit even this year. And there's just some some signs, some symptoms that God is breathing afresh, God is moving afresh. And I believe uh, God would say to us to expand our horizons. I was at a uh, pastoral care gathering actually and there were these cards uh, with things like uh, grateful for blessings, learning to trust, and we all had to pick a card, and this one was just near me, so I just felt to pick that, expanding your horizons. And I believe that's actually a word for us as the Church of Lismore. God is lifting us up to expand our horizons uh, and to seek him and to believe for his blessing and to sow the seed of his word. So God calls us to fruitfulness at every level, personal, family, church, city, state, nation, into our world and God loves fruit imagine if we could increase the dimension of fruitfulness that we experience on every hand imagine if every time we opened our Bibles we just got such rich revelation of truth from heaven imagine if just every almost every conversation every meeting with a person there's an opportunity to share something about our faith Imagine if, you know, we just prayed lots more prayers and lots more prayers got answered. Imagine if the problems of life 
when we're confronted with them, uh, we see God intervening time and time again. Imagine if we could see God provide even more abundantly for the needs that we have and heal our bodies and set us free and empower us by his spirit. So what are the keys to fruitfulness? What are the keys to the harvest? Because I believe God is challenging us to expand our horizons and prepare for harvest. So just a few simple thoughts about the processes involved. Uh, Colossians 2.19 talks about the church uh, growing with the increase that is from God. And that's what we want to see, isn't it? We want to see that increase, that fruitfulness, that growth, that's from the heart of God, that's from heaven above. Not something we're just trying to engineer ourselves or work up, but the increase that is from God. And I, I just want to share these thoughts about, I've entitled this, The Mountain, the River and the Field. I just basically want to give you three action words tonight based on the mountain, the river and the field. So first of all, the mountain. And the action word I'd like to give you with that is the word go. And we were reading uh, in Haggai in just a couple of years back, really. It was a, a very relevant scripture to us in the Lismore Ministers Fellowship and the prayer meetings and so on from Haggai 1 verses 7 and 8 where the word of God says, Go, go up to the mountains and bring back timber and build my house, says the Lord. Uh, and so there's a faith initiative required to really get up onto God's mountain and into the presence of God. The late uh, Reverend Roy Cowan, uh, he shared extensively from the prophet Haggai uh, before he went to glory and uh, that legacy of uh, seeking God that he left and we're all continually challenged with. Uh, the challenge of getting up into the mountain top, getting into God's presence, getting into prayer, getting into worship, uh, and valuing the presence of God. I believe there's a fresh zeal coming for the presence of God. I remember many years ago when, with the charismatic outpouring in the city of Brisbane and uh, we were swept up in that and like we'd be out consecutive nights of the week. Uh, I was at university at the time and just trying to squeeze studies around all the excitement, excitement that was happening and you'd get there early, you put your Bible on your seat or your coat to claim the seat and and, you know, 500 people plus out Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. There was such a hunger for God's presence, a hunger for God's word. And God was moving afresh by his spirit. And I believe an even greater revival is coming. Mountaintop experiences in the Bible. So just think about, think about these for a moment. There was Noah on Mount Ararat. And then there was Abraham on Mount Moriah offering to sacrifice Isaac. There was Moses on Mount Sinai getting the tablets of the law, the word of God. There was Caleb on Mount Hebron there to fight the giants. There was Deborah on Mount Tabor gathering the troops ready for battle against the enemy. There was Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down fire from heaven. Then later he was on uh, Mount Horeb. He, God had to coax him out of the cave there but giving him a fresh commission. We all know about sometimes it's... A, Comfortable to withdraw into a cave, but God has his habit of coaxing us out of our caves of self-pity and fear or whatever, self-focus, whatever they might be. And then there was Jesus on Mount Hermon, 
The mountain of transfiguration. The Greek word for transfiguration is the same as for transformation. Whenever we get on God's mountaintop, we can't help but be transformed by the presence of God, by the word of God, uh, by the experience of meeting with God. But it takes an effort, an effort to climb. And Jesus took Peter, James and John. uh, We believe it was Mount Hermon, the highest mountain in Palestine, over 3,000 metres, about 3,000 metres high. And uh, they'd been at Caesarea Philippi, just on the lower slopes of Mount Hermon. And Peter had had that famous confession of Jesus as the Christ, that revelation from heaven. Talk about a heavenly intervention. You know, the disciples were in class and Jesus asked the question, and they're all kind of looking at each other and Peter just gets zapped from heaven and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven. Well done, Peter, 10 out of 10, that was a revelation. And how we need those revelations and to avoid then uh, Peter trying to dissuade Jesus from his mission. Need to avoid that one. So Jesus with Peter and James and John, on the top of Mount Hermon, I wonder if there was snow around because sometimes there is snow on Mount Hermon. We'll find that out in heaven. Uh, but there he is and Jesus is transfigured before them and this brilliant, radiant light. And the disciples are just transfixed and Moses and Elijah appear. What an awesome experience. And good old Peter, he just couldn't help himself and he comes out with a suggestion. Okay, let's build three tabernacles. And... Uh, God the Father is so gracious. He kind of booms from heaven uh, in the glory cloud and Peter, James and John are just flatten their faces. And this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Peter, listen to Jesus. So just a gentle thunderous rebuke. Uh, And uh, then there's the glory cloud around and Jesus... uh, comforts them, tells them not to fear. Jesus is always telling the disciples not to fear and that's probably the number one thing he says to us too. Fear not for I am with you. But this amazing experience that happened on the mountaintop, but there was a climb involved. I can imagine that was quite arduous to climb to the top of Mount Hermon, the highest mountain in Palestine and Peter, James and John would have been huffing and puffing and just wondering what lay ahead. And then, of course, they had to climb down again and minister in the valley below. Uh, I love to climb the occasional mountain. Getting a bit old for it. I did climb Mount Warning uh, some years ago with Sharina on my back. She was about two or three. And uh, it, was, it was quite some years ago, so I'm not rushing back, but <laughs> ought to think of carrying her again. Uh, so... Uh, but I found this mountain on the Sunshine Coast. It's called Mount Gungun. It's in the Glasshouse Mountains. And it's like the almost instant mountain climb. It's just terrific. One hour you're up and probably half an hour back. And if you're athletic like Chris or someone, you're probably up in faster time. Uh, and it used to be a little bit arduous. You'd slip and slide up past some caves, but then they built the zigzag track and it's quite comfortable to climb, and you sit up there on top of Mount Gungun, just out from the Glasshouse Mountains Township, if ever you're up on the Sunshine Coast, and you sit up there and you feel like you're king of the world. Uh, the only tricky bit's the rocks at the top. You clamber over the rocks and you look down, and the farms are just like a patchwork quilt. And the village, the town, and you can even see people and cars. and It's just like so easy to climb, but it's inspirational. There's something about 
getting up in God's mountain that is highly inspirational. You get up there and you see the grand perspective of God's purpose afresh. You feel the refreshing breeze of the Holy Spirit. You just communication with heaven seems so clear. And uh, when we get up into the mountain of God's presence, we are changed in some way for eternity. So it's worth it. It's worth the effort. We've got to escape from the crowd. We've got to leave the busyness of life behind. We've got to get up out of our comfort zone and huff and puff and put in the effort. But once we get up on the mountain of prayer, Yongi Cho had what he called Prayer Mountain many years ago that thousands upon thousands of Koreans used to go to and pray. I met uh, Yongi Cho, Dr Yongi Cho many years ago at the back entrance to a large church in Adelaide. Just a young man, his church was quite small at that time, it was only about 75,000 people. And I was ducking out the back door to go to the car to get a coat or something as he and his entourage were coming in and face to face, there he was, Dr Yongi Cho, right in front of me. I instinctively stepped aside to let him through and he insisted that I go through first. Such was the humility of the man. Besides, he didn't want to be bowled over by someone so big. <laughs> and he yeah, ministered that conference, and of course the church grew and grew. So, prayer mountain, we've got to get there. We've got to climb, and it's well worth it, because the experience of the presence of God, and I think there's like a spiritual cycle like the the water vapour cycle, the hydrological cycle they call it, where up on the mountaintop is where the clouds form and the evaporation of our praise and our worship condenses uh, in the glory cloud of God and then as we come down the mountain, uh, the, the clouds release the rain uh, down and the rivers flow into the valley. And that brings us to the second thing, the river. The river of God's spirit. And the second word I want to give you tonight is the word flow because I got, believe God's calling us to flow afresh in the anointing of his Holy Spirit. So having captured something heavenly, something awesome on the mountaintop, and we had to go, we had to make the effort to climb to get there, then we're to flow in the river of God. The Godward ministry on the mountaintop, the cloud of the Spirit, then releases the earthbound flow the rain from the heavens upon the earth that then bring the fruitfulness. And Jesus in John 7.37 said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And I believe God's wanting to use all of us as channels for the flow of his spirit. I believe God's calling us to a fresh sensitivity to the anointing and the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I was listening to a, an audio recording uh, of the man Ray Greenley, who was used of God in prayer uh, to, as a precursor to the uh, nationwide revival that hit Argentina many years ago. And uh, it was around the middle of 1949 and he and a missionary friend had decided to hold a crusade uh, in the, the township of Laval that had no Christians whatsoever and they did the usual missionary things. They handed out the tracts, they put up the tent, 
I prepared a message and no one came. No one came. Not even a child. He said, not even a child came to see if it was a circus or something. And uh, bitterly disappointed, he was about to leave the ministry, leave the mission field, go home and take up secular work. And something within him prompted him to seek God and, and get answers before he returned. Uh, and so he felt to just pray and fast for one week, desperate for answers. So he did that. Nothing particularly happened, so he did another week. And, and he started to you know, just feel the zeal to pray and be in God's presence. And after many, many weeks, then suddenly there was a knock on the door and a pastor he knew had brought uh, a teenage lad uh, who needed prayer and the, this man, uh, Ray, led this young man to the Lord and felt God say, see, I can bring, bring them to you. And so inspired by that, he continued to pray and then uh, it was like heaven opened, the blessing of God came. And he felt God say, call a prayer meeting. It's got to go from 8pm through to midnight. If people don't want to stay for four hours, tell them not to come. And he was pastoring this little church and he thought, well, who's going to come? And anyhow, uh, he and his wife, there were three other people who came. One was a disillusioned kind of guy and the other was a, a couple and the wife was quite timid and so on. Anyhow, to cut a long story short, um, night after night he'd say, has anything, anyone feel anything? Anyone got a prayer to pray? Any? And just nothing, nothing, nothing. And except this wife said, I have this strange urge to hit the table. Uh, in, in the room here, the prayer room. And he was sort of saying, well, let's do it. You know, God's teaching them about obedience. And she felt too shy and ashamed. And the next night, she wouldn't do it either the third night. It was the fourth night, I think it was. Uh, he said, all right, all of us walk around and we'll hit the table. They walk around. And then finally, this um, shy lady just went bang in the middle of the table. And it was like the heavens opened and the backslidden guy ended up under the table, you know, weeping and she ended up just praising God at the top of her voice and, and that really was the prayer meeting where the Argentinian revival broke out and for almost 20 years 1949 to 1968 revival hit the nation of Argentina an evangelist came shortly after that to hold crusades and to get permission uh, no one would give him permission he said I've got to see the president the president wasn't interested he went to uh, the security guard he confronted trying to see the president uh, he said, I asked him what he was doing he said I want to hold crusades and healing and so on and uh, anyhow the security guard with the rifle had pain from hepatitis and the evangelist prayed for him and he was instantly healed and he said come back tomorrow I'll make sure you get through to the president he went through to the president, the president had eczema a bad case and red marks over his skin and so on and the evangelist was able to pray for him he was healed and the red blotches just faded before his very eyes and, he, and the door opened he said you can have crusades wherever you want, you name the stadium we'll do. And, the, and the revival hit the nation the nation but it was getting into prayer and then flowing in the spirit uh, and so we need to flow, to flow with the river of God's spirit, to in obedience follow uh, the spirit's leading flow in the anointing uh, and uh, Ezekiel the prophet in, in uh, the book of Ezekiel uh, chapter 47 
He saw this giant river, this great river that flowed from the throne of God and it just got deeper and deeper and the flow got stronger and stronger. It started with ankle deep, then knee deep, then up to the waist and then so deep you had to swim in it. Waters to swim in. I believe we've got to jump into the river of God in faith. Uh, We try and keep our feet on the ground but God wants us to swim, to take the plunge, to dive in to jump in the river of God's spirit. Uh, with our kids many years ago, we were up at, in the Northern Territory at Catherine Gorge and it was so hot we just wanted to swim. So I inquired, uh, you know, where the crocodiles They said, only the little freshwater ones, they won't hurt you. <laughs> so I thought the kids were going to swim with me. I knew Margaret wasn't so keen, but anyhow, I jump in. I'm saying to the kids the primary age at that time, come on in. No. Now, not only did they refuse to swim, but they stood on the bank and pointed out all the bubbles and the unexplained movement <laughs> around. I tell you what, it was not an enjoyable swim. <laughs> and I felt, out, like, felt like pointing out that the log that they were sitting on had a strange crocodile-covered skin. No, just joking, just joking. I was the only one with the courage to jump in. I didn't really... But May God give us the courage to jump into the river of his spirit and keep alert because the devil, the crocodile is around. Um, But uh, he is a defeated foe. And when it comes to the devil, we need to be aware, armed, alert, but never afraid because he's defeated by Jesus. So to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, to flow in the anointing, to jump in faith into the river of God and uh, flow with where God is moving, with what God is doing and the water of the Spirit then irrigates the fields and that's the third one, the fields. And the word I'd like to give you there is the word sow. So we've got to go to the mountaintop, flow in the river of the Spirit and sow God's word in the name of Jesus into the fields of this world. And this is exactly what's happening with SRE, with Christian schooling, these ones who are faithfully sowing the seed of God's word and the promise is there. So shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The sowing of the seed of God's word will bear fruit, must bear fruit. It's only a matter of persevering through the time delay and there will be much fruit as we sow, as we sow uh, God's word, as we sow love, as we sow faith. Uh, Psalm 126 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. And uh, it also refers there Uh, to the seed, uh, bringing their sheaves with them. uh, And it also talks about, there it is there, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And God's calling us to get out there, into the fields, the fields of this world, and to sow the grace of God, to sow kindness and love and charity, to sow the seed of God's word and truth and encouragement, to sow hope and faith, and to sow generously, and to sow sacrificially, and then the harvest shall be great. And so 
the word of God talks about as being born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God, the, the word of God that lives and abides forever. And if there's anyone here in this gathering tonight and you have never made a personal response to the invitation of Jesus to come follow me, we would love to pray with you. It's just a simple decision of the heart and a prayer. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. If there's anyone here tonight who's never made such a personal decision, please do not leave this place without coming forward for prayer. I'd love to meet you at the end of the service and, and pray with you and you can experience the miracle of coming alive to God, of being born again by the Holy Spirit and receiving forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. Maybe there's someone here, you have made that decision in the past, but you know you need to recommit to be a follower of Jesus. We'd love to talk and pray with you as well. And so the fields are white under harvest, Jesus said. Uh, and so we need to sow and we need to reap. Uh, we need to seize every opportunity to share our faith and to reach out with the love of God, to invest generously for the extension of God's kingdom. And there's something that God does in our hearts that makes us willing to sow. I'd just like to, to close with a verse from Second Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Uh, and we read here, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. May God help us to go and to find the place of prayer to get up on the mountaintop with God. May God help us to flow more than ever with independence and faith upon the anointing of his spirit. And may God empower us to sow generously, abundantly, selflessly, sacrificially into this needy and desperate world, the fields where we live, all around us. And may we see the harvest because God is the God of the harvest. He's the God of multiplication. And even that which we can do with God's strength and anointing shall be multiplied, I believe, way beyond what we imagine. And we shall see a move of God that shall be for his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this time around your word. Lord, we just want to respond to you. We want to respond in faith. We want to respond from our hearts tonight. I just want to ask you to do three things as we pray. I wonder, could everyone please stand just in the presence of God? And first of all, could you please raise a hand to indicate your desire to go to the mountain of God's presence? Heavenly Father, we just want to put our hand up to go and to seek you and find you and spend time in your presence, time in prayer, time in worship, time waiting upon you. And we ask for your help in this. Help us to go and get up on the mountaintop that we might be transformed by our experience of you. Secondly, if you're willing to put your hand on your heart as an indication that you want to flow. Heavenly Father, we just 
place our hands on our hearts because we want to have the heart, Lord, out of which flow the rivers of living water. We want to have the heart of dependence upon you, the heart that, Lord, values and seeks the anointing of your spirit, the heart that wants to be sensitive and obedient and to follow your leading and your guidance. And thirdly, just put out a hand or both hands. Uh, Heavenly Father, thirdly, we want to sow. We want to give that which is in our hand. We want to give out of that which you have deposited within us. We want to give, Lord, in love. We want to give in compassion. We want to give in charity. We want to give with, Lord, abundance, with generosity, with liberality. We want to give with diligence and perseverance. We want to sow into the fields where you've placed us to sow the seed of your word because we know that there shall be an abundant harvest. And this is our prayer for a fresh anointing upon us even as we go into this new week, that we would go, Lord, with a heart set to go into your presence and to flow with your spirit and to sow in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hand up. Well, really, that concludes the service tonight. I was going to have a song, but I don't think we'll worry about a song at this stage. It's been good. Thank you, Rod. That was really inspiring. And and thank you, Arise Church. And there's some supper, some food over there. And uh, there's tea and coffee, um, instant coffee, instant tea. And there's the hot water just around the corner here. So uh, thank you very much and God bless you.